0: Hello there. You might wanna pull up a chair for a spell. I wanna talk about a few things today. Number one is I like to get to the source of things and because I have spoken a great deal about vaccines, I found an interesting juncture of time that the vaccines got, um, well, escalated and the additives being put in the vaccines. So I wanna talk more about that today. But first I wanna talk about how we present our arguments and what exactly is a straw man argument. So I'll be getting into that more today Um, because if we don't know how to process the information it makes it very hard to communicate it to others, okay? Um, So before I get started, let me go ahead and play that clip while I've got it right here so you can hear what I'm talking about because then I want to talk about Katrina for just a minute here. Okay, let me see here. Okay, this is a great example. This is an interview that Stephen Colbert did with an um, elected official over an election. Okay, so just listen to what he has to say here, okay? This is how a straw man argument works. And this is psychopath babble 101, and I'm seeing that is, has influenced most discussions these days. Because the psychopaths have taken over, and what they're doing is they're running the way the conversations are going by using straw man arguments. So let me get this loaded up here. Let's let's talk about your opponent, Sue (laughs) Kelly. Besides the economy, reproductive rights, taxation, the environment, and education, where do you and Sue Kelly differ? Well, she voted for this war, which I would not have voted for. She voted for... So you'd rather see Saddam back in power? No, but I'd love to see a plan that... a convincing plan that would show us a way to victory in Iraq. Stay the course. I've heard that, and... uh, But it didn't sink in? Well, I think that... That's how a straw man argument works, okay? Um, They start introducing a lot of craziness. So what I will be doing is... um, First, I want to talk about... That would help me see here. First, I want to talk about... Katrina in New Orleans. I just can't give up on New Orleans. New Orleans is where a lot of horror got started, okay? And um, while I was looking into if there was any recorded information as far as recorded knowledge as far as dynamite being used on the levees, because I mentioned in, I don't know, the last show I think it was, uh, I suspected that the levees at Katrina may have gotten breached by dynamite. So, let's clear that up and then we'll get into the topic for today. So, I found a couple of pieces, um, yeah, I believe that they used dynamite this time during Katrina, okay, um, I believe Katrina was a completely racially motivated event, and go look for all of the issues with Katrina, I mean just the fact that <laughs> they were pulling white people out of, out of Louisiana and leaving all the black people behind, okay, so that should have been your first clue. Okay, so here's this article I found, which is very interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it said, could the levees in New Orleans have been intentionally blown out in order to provide the justification for total FEMA federal takeover? The locals certainly think so. Yet as usual, the mainstream media is barely picking up on this wave of opinion. Katrina was not the monster described. The storm passed through with relatively minor damage. That's the opinion. That wasn't a big deal, right? According to the New York Times, this Dr. She Penland was surprised because the break of the levees was along a section that was just upgraded. It had a vertical concrete wall several feet thick. So what I've done is I just pulled together some quotes, okay? So... I found a quote in the New York Times saying that they were surprised that that levy broke, right? Many locals have come forward to suggest that levies were breached on purpose by the authorities. This scenario is not so crazy as it sounds. Have you noticed also that when you mention something to people these days, their first reaction is to call you crazy? Well, maybe that's just my take on it, but the exact same thing has happened before and in the very same city. In 1927, the Mississippi River broke its banks in 145 places, depositing 30 feet of water over 27,000 square miles of land. The Great Disaster changed American history. Blacks were driven northward. White business owners pressured the state to dynamite the levees upstream, releasing torrents of water into black areas. Blacks were forced to work on Ford flood relief at gunpoint like slaves. The above information comes from the book Rising Tide, The Great Mississippi Flood of 1927 and How It Changed America by John M. Barry. Levees were also intentionally blasted after Hurricane Betsy struck New Orleans in 1965. So yes, I would say New Orleans has a history <laughs> of blowing up the levees. There were reports of many explosions heard in New Orleans. Officials say they were transformers blowing up. Total Information Analysis has reported a claim by intelligence expert that 25 ear witnesses cited explosions immediately before the levee breach. This writer has engaged in numerous arguments over the question of why. See, this is a part that everybody has trouble transitioning into, right? Because the belief that evil, the understanding and belief of evil, is not there, right? Because they've hidden that, just like they hid the term psychopath from us, right? The, the true definition, because that would help us to identify who they are right so yeah so people have this thing with how can you possibly be saying that your own government is poisoning you well I am pretty much proof positive right I now have four transformers outside of my house <laughs> in pretty shaky condition that is the government but see that was the first part of their strategy was to convince everybody that no matter what the government was always going to be right what's getting shaken now a lot of people are catching on that a lot of lies have been told but what's happening is they're splitting things up for example people are on all sides about these vaccines they're saying things like well These vaccines should have been tested more and done this and that. Sure, all good points, right? But they're arguing and saying things like these other vaccines are okay. Like, well, we would all be crippled with polio if vaccines weren't really good. It's just these vaccines right now that we need to focus on as being bad. See how everything starts to get split and jumbled? So what I'm trying to say today, and I know I'm sounding kind of confusing right now, is when you... <clears throat> when you go into a discussion with somebody, stick with what you're talking about, okay? For example, um, in my view right now is if you tell me that I'm crazy when I start to say something, you, I'm going to not keep talking to you, okay? <laughs> That's because I'm old and tired and dying. But anyway, so, okay. I have a couple articles about this Katrina thing, so let me get down here. Okay, so... People have a hard time thinking the government did it, right? And so their first response is to call the rest of us crazy, right? In 1927, federal officials dynamited a levee 13 miles south of New Orleans in a poor rural area to prevent the water surge from reaching the French Quarter. And that came from a U.S. News & World Report from 2005 the houses and lives of the impoverished area were sacrificed for the greater good how often do we hear that okay and usually it's black people who are sacrificing for the greater good now aren't they or us poor working class people no death toll let me see here so the homes and lives of the impoverished were sacrificed for the greater good when this breach flooded the Lower Ninth Ward, St. Bernard, and Plamiscus Parishes. No death toll from this event is available, likely because many of the victims were people of color whose deaths were routinely overlooked. And this person went on to say, many residents I interviewed post-Katrina believed that the government had also dynamited a levy in 1965 with Hurricane Betsy, a storm that killed 81 poor, mostly black people in the Lower Ninth Ward. Whether or not this is accurate, this belief compelled some residents to stay behind during Katrina to patrol the levees and protect their property. You will also notice in this country, if you're not from here, that black people do understand how dangerous the cops are. It's us white folks who haven't gotten the memo, right? <laughs> They're equally brutal, not equally brutal. I don't like to get into comparisons, okay? But you can also be white and get locked up in jail in this country, Okay there are numerous witnesses to the explosions, sounds, and divers have found a 30-foot crater at the bottom of the 17th Street levee that flooded the 9th Ward. So, in addition, they said historically towns have blown levees upstream to prevent their own town from flooding. So, blowing up levees was nothing new for Louisiana. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they said um, when the Rains broke records in April 1927. The Gulf of Mexico was full and worked as a stopper to the Mississippi. The Mississippi was full too, pushing its own waters up tributaries, breaking levees, and causing flooding as far as Ohio and Texas. All that water had to go somewhere. It couldn't go to New Orleans, Panicky city fathers told the Army Corps of Engineers it would devastate the regional economy. To save New Orleans, the leaders proposed a radical plan. South of the city, the population was mostly rural and poor. The leaders appealed to the federal government to essentially sacrifice those parishes by blowing up an earthen Levy and diverting the water to marshland. They promised restitution to people who would lose their homes. Government officials, including Commerce Secretary Hu- Herbert Hoover, signed off. On April the 29th, the levee at canevor 13 miles south of New Orleans, succumbed to 39 tons of dynamite the river rushed through at 250,000 cubic feet per second. New Orleans was saved, but the misery of the flooded parishes had only started. The city fathers took years to make good on their promises, and very few residents ever saw any compensation at all. The water, which had started rising on Good Friday, they love those holidays, don't they? would not recede until July. Many victims would never return to their homes. Hoover, who won support for leading relief efforts, went on to the win for presidential elections. See how it works. They set this up and then he gets the win for moving on, right, he gets to be the hero. This is how they've developed this whole system. For example, Daniel Ellsberg just supposedly passed away at 92. People are saying, well, last great American hero, a real whistleblower, that Daniel Ellsberg. Does anybody have any common sense in their brains? Daniel Ellsberg is one of them, right? He was, they do these whistleblower things to tell us what they're doing before they get caught, right? So he exposed all of this stuff. Just use common sense, use your brain. How long would it take to figure out who Daniel Ellsberg is? Well, go over to his Wikipedia page for starters, okay? In the first lines, you'll read a couple of red flags. It was released to the New York Times, red flag number one. Where was Daniel Ellsberg working at the time? He was working for the Rand Corporation. Who set up the Rand Corporation? Well, our old friend Curtis Emerson LeMay founded the Rand Corporation after he stopped bombing the rest of the world (laughs) and was retired from the Strategic Air Command. He founded was one of the founders of the Rand Corporation, which also employed Ellsberg. So they all connect. So, you know, I would caution you to you know, when somebody's speaking, the first thing I do is I take a quick look at who are they, right? (laughs) And it's not hard. Um, Was he telling the truth about what went on? Of course he was, because they're exposing themselves in ways that we will catch on to. So now that I've run completely off course here, (laughs) I'm just kind of tired. All I'm hearing lately are, oh, this whistleblower, what a hero. Oh, this person, oh, what a hero. Be careful what you're saying, okay? Be careful what you're agreeing to is all I'm suggesting, okay? So where was I before I took off there? Let me see here. Okay, the water was rising, okay, let me get back here, the water which had started rising on Good Friday would not recede until July, many victims would never return to their homes, Hoover who won, oh this is where I took off on a rampage, okay, who won support for leading relief efforts went on to win the presidential election and the Corps of Engineers who had said the levies would hold was humbled. some person, people complained about the Corps but they never blamed the river they understood that's the river, that's nature that's what it's supposed to be doing well until you realize that um, (laughs) <laughs> that river got 30 tons of dynamite to blow out all the black people's homes and that river was overflowing because they know how to manipulate the weather so this none of this should be a surprise right okay so let's get to the subject for today this is um well i don't know how to start this so let me just start it okay there's been a lot of talk recently about vaccines again because robert Kennedy Jr. is running for president, right? And he is alluded to being an anti vaxxer, okay? And he has talked about some interesting things, and it gave me a time point to work on because there's a time when all this stuff got rigged, and there's a time when they escalated the number of vaccines children in this country get. I started all of this years ago with the vaccines because I was so shocked when I looked up the charts of vaccines for children in the United States versus other developed countries. (laughs) And the vaccine schedule is really horrendous. So that got me going on all of this. And it's just been interesting all along, this whole argument about vaccines, because there are no good vaccines, okay? And you really start to split the dice up when you get into one of these straw man arguments as far as (laughs) vaccines. So this was from an interview with Piers Morgan with RFK Jr., okay? He said, you've been opposed to vaccines for a long time, very heavily critical of the COVID vaccines. Kennedy says, I won't make his voice. (laughs) Although (laughs) I'm tempted, that's not true. And he said, well, you're not a vaccine denier, But you are very, very skeptical, a very public voice of skepticism about the efficiency of vaccines. Would that be fair? Kennedy says, what I've said is vaccines. I'm not anti-vaccine. I think vaccines should be subject to the same level of rigorous testing as other medications. And that is the only thing, my only position. Listen. I fought to get mercury out of fish for 40 years and nobody called me anti-fish. I'm not anti-vaccine because I want safe vaccines. And I think everybody wants safe vaccines. And as we all now recognize, the COVID vaccines were neither safe nor effective then the next question was, and this is for an interview on April the 27th, and we're right now at June the 17th, okay, so just a couple months ago. He went on to ask, So this is a taboo subject that I think a lot of people would hesitate to even bring it up, but I've read a lot that you've written on it. I don't agree with it all, but if I don't but I don't agree with it all, but I don't think you're crazy. You're not anti-vaccine, you say, you're, you say you vaccinate your own children, but you have concerns. Tell me first what the reaction is when you tell people you're skeptical of the vaccine regimen of the United States. Kennedy says, well, like you said, I'm pro-vaccine and I've never said anything anti-vaccine. But I read the science and the science is very clear that some of the vaccines and what you have to understand is that the vaccine regimen changed drastically around 1989. The reason it changed is that congress drowning in pharmaceutical money did something they never did for any other industry. They gave blanket immunity to those to all the vaccine companies so that no matter how absent the quality control, no matter how toxic the ingredients or egregious the injury to your child, you cannot sue them. So there's no depositions, there's no discovery, there's no class action suits. All of a sudden, vaccines become enormously profitable. I got three vaccines. I'm six, This is him talking, not me. I got three vaccines. I'm 63 years old. My children got... 69 doses of 16 vaccines to be compliant. A lot of these vaccines aren't even for communicable, casually communicable diseases like hepatitis B, which comes from unprotected sex or sharing needles. Why do we give that to a child the first day of their life? And it was loaded with mercury. And the interviewer says, and we do give that to children. And Kennedy went on to say, We continue to give it to them. Mercury has been taken out of three vaccines in this country, but it remains in the flu vaccine. 48 million flu vaccines, and it's in vaccines all over the world. Okay, now, so what I'm going to be doing here is I'm absolutely not going to be arguing about these vaccines, okay? (laughs) So, um, so, they went on to say that one of RFK Jr.'s anti-vax greatest hits is his claim that the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986 this stuff is very easy to find provided blanket legal immunity to all vaccine companies. This is a common anti-vax version of events which leads out what the bill really did. In the wake of claims that the DPT vaccine had caused neurological injury to children there were so many lawsuits against vaccine manufacturers that pharmaceutical companies were strongly considering leaving the u.s market due to increasing difficulties obtaining liability insurance with only one manufacturer still making pertussis vaccines in 1985. all they had to do was threaten to leave right the solution agreed upon by Congress and President Ronald Reagan and codified and the the, the buzzwords you're looking for in the NCVIA of 1986 was set up a special no-fault compensation program for those injured by vaccines. The law set up a special court with special expertise commonly called the Vaccine Court all funded by a tax on each vial of vaccine sold. Complainants denied compensation through the vaccine court still have access to, well I'm not going to go the whole vaccine court thing is um, (laughs) you try dealing with a court which is located in Washington D.C. when your child has been injured by a vaccine. So um, so what they're saying is that RFK Jr. goes off about these vaccine courts but um, they say that uh, vaccine courts are a good thing okay and then they went on to say someone of rfk junior's birth cohort would likely have received at least vaccines against diphtheria that's dpt polio polio and smallpox because i'm also in that group and i think those are the only shots that i had also because vaccines for measles mumps rubella and all that was hadn't been developed yet and over on my website on that timeline that i'm working still working on um i listed at the very top part of that thing the whole history of when they came up with all these vaccines and i've talked about them so much that i'm gonna (laughs) not go there they have been cross-infecting us with animals since the very beginning they did it with smallpox they've been doing it all along Okay, so here's the thing, and he went on to say, I'll just quote up this last thing from R.K. Jr. He says, I am called anti-vax all the time because the pharmaceutical industry is so powerful. They give $5.4 billion a year to the media, and they've gotten to the lawyers, so there's no legal interest in those cases, and they really have controlled the debate and silenced people like me. So um, here's what I'd like to offer you if you're going to be talking about some of these things with people that you'd like to have listen to you, you might want to consider this, okay? Generally people advocate a position for serious and sincere reasons, okay? Like if they're talking about children getting vaccines, they're probably seriously concerned on some level, right? But it's really important to try to figure out their view, try to understand their reasons, even if you would disagree entirely. In general, If you can't imagine how anyone could hold the view you are attacking, you probably just don't understand it yet. So if you think what they're saying is so bizarre that you haven't even grasped it, well, I think you need to look a little bit closer. Maybe this person got injured as a child themselves and now they're trying... There could be a lot of reasons, okay? So you need to understand the person you're trying to talk to about these things, right? Because in a lot of these vaccine discussions, what starts to happen is that parents gave their children vaccines up until the point that they realized that they were bad, right? So they had an awakening. They realized that probably giving their kids all these vaccines was a bad idea, right? Well, you need to delicately maneuver that because bad ideas can learn to do information, right? So if somebody if you know somebody's children had all gotten the vaccines themselves and the kid has autism or something like that you might want to really couch your um, discussion in a way that would work because otherwise you don't want to start your conversation because a lot of parents have guilt even if their kids didn't get autism they have guilt thinking did I do something wrong as a parent so that's why I'm suggesting that if you don't really understand the person you're talking to you're probably not going to come up with a good conversation that's going to be productive is what i'm saying because they're going to immediately move into feeling defensive because they gave their kids vaccines right so they're going to be defending what they did so you want to move beyond that i hope i'm being clear here so um because really what we're talking about are straw man arguments and they're really common in politics so it they serve a dual purpose it undermines their opponents in the eyes of the public and causes their opponents to waste precious time responding to the distortion rather than advocating on behalf of their real position. And that's what you need to be careful of because it can... um, They say the mentions of a distinctive straw man fallacy don't actually appear in any logic textbooks until 1956. I have to say, straw man fallacy is psychopath babble 101 it's the way that they get you off course the way they start to spin you in circles so what I suggest that you do if you see yourself start to engage in one of these things pull yourself back you'd be amazed at how people will react to your silence and I don't mean vicious staring them down silence people when the other person is silent they will tend to kind of move in with more details, OK? So sometimes silence is also your friend with these kinds of situations, right? So I think we understand what a straw man is. And there's an argument that I wanted to point out. Um, okay. Straw mans are oversimplifying, generalizing, or exaggerating the opponent's argument. OK, here's one that I like that's a lot. It's called a... Um, A hollow man argument. This is a good one. A hollow man argument is a fallacious argument that involves inventing a weak, fictitious position and attributing it to a vaguely defined group who is supposed to represent an opposing stance before attacking it in an attempt to discredit that stance. So what you do, as such, hollow man arguments represent a more extreme version of straw man arguments. Since while a straw man is a distorted version of an original stance, the hollow man is an argument that's almost entirely fabricated and which has little to do with the stance of the person that it's meant to represent. Hollow man arguments can often be identified through the use of weasel words, which include phrases like, some say, that are not attributed to any specific Person or group, they just say, "Well, some study said this, right?" This is because the use of such phrases makes the statement vague enough that it's nearly impossible to refute without absolving the speaker of any responsibility with regard to the truthfulness. They could also be a trap because when you start to argue with these people, um, well, you have to temper your reaction, is what I'm saying, because. It may appear really crazy to you, but to the people that are watching this transpire, you may come across as the one who appears um, too reactive, too, too much trying to defend yourself. So there's a fine line between speaking and coming across as overly defensive. This one I like, Iron Man Arguments. An Iron Man argument is a fallacious argument that involves distorting your own stance in order to make it easier for you to defend. Essentially, an Iron Man is constructed in a similar way to the way you would construct a Straw Man, by misrepresenting an original stance. But this time, it's in order to strengthen your own stance, rather than to weaken your opponents. One of the most prominent ways to create an Iron Man argument is to use vague statements that are easy to agree with, even if they don't have much to do with your actual point. For example, consider the following exchange. This reporter said, Recently, citizens have been complaining that you haven't actually passed any anti-corruption laws since you were elected, despite your promises. What can you say about that? And the politician responds, All I can say is that we are working hard to make sure that we do what's best for everyone, and I just want to be sure that we end up doing the right thing. Following our moral compass takes courage in hard times, but only if we remain steadfast in our beliefs will we be able to prosper and grow stronger together. The politician doesn't say anything that is directly related to the question that they are being asked. Instead, he's simply making abstract statements that almost anyone would agree with and adopts this vague agenda as his stance. This means that instead of defending his true actions, he's arguing in favor of concepts that are much easier for him to defend, such as doing the right thing. So, yeah, um, a steel man argument is an argument that distur- Did I ever talk about this... Um, Oh, yeah, here's what you do when you're doing a steelman argument. Okay. Was that a steelman argument? Let me scroll up here. Make sure I got the right argument. No, that was Iron Man. Okay, yeah, this was steelman I want to talk about. Okay. Steelman argument. Creating a steelman argument can involve, for example, clarifying the phrase of an argument in order to eliminate pre-existing issues with it. Okay, so what you do, how do you compose a successful critical commentary? Because you want to... You want to shoot them out from underneath their feet in your intro, right? You should attempt to re-express your target's position so clearly, vividly, and fairly that your target says, thanks, I wish i thought of putting it that way myself. Number two, you should list any points of agreement, especially if they are not matters of general or widespread agreement. Number three, you should mention anything you have learned from your target number four only then are you permitted to say so much as a word of rebuttal or criticism so a steel man argument I think is the best shot because then you what you're what you're doing is you're repeating back to them what they said right so if they made all these crazy statements you're basically repeating them back to them so then they, then they can no longer say that you're making the crazy statements, right? So you get it all settled right in the beginning before you move in with some examples of those crazy statements. And for our friends in the U.K., straw man tactics in the U.K. may also be known as Aunt Sally. After a pub game of the same name where patrons throw sticks or battens at a post to knock off a skittle balance... I don't understand that. Okay, um so yeah i think we get the idea about straw men right um so now that i've wandered past straw men let me get back to the vaccines okay the big issue is this mercury i'm going to be short here okay the big issue is the mercury and in the past i've done shows where they have found autism contaminants around the soil in different places from crops from pesticides and stuff, right? A whole different, kind. and there's also pesticides involved in all of that, already talked about all that. So specifically, we're talking about the mercury that everybody reverts back to, okay? The mercury is used as a preservative in vaccines. And I'm just gonna give you the overview, okay? They use this mercury to make vaccines last longer, and to also be able to use multiple doses of vaccines because they found that by putting this mercury in the vaccine, they can do multiple vials, excuse me, multiple doses out of one vial. In other words, because if you keep putting the needle back in the vial, and I'm guessing this is what the thinking is, that you're going to contaminate the vaccine. So their logic in all this is, well, in order to save money, we should put multiple doses in each vial so if we put this mercury in it removes this contaminating factor okay so this whole thing in my view that i'll be talking about today is about the preservatives okay that are used in vaccines and that are licensed in the united states and what i want you to take away with this is remember when I talked in the past about BPA, when they took BPA off the market, this is a common tactic. What they do is, in the case of BPA, the lawsuits and stuff became intense, so they took BPA off the market, that's in our plastics, and they replaced it with something that's actually more toxic. So, you have to be careful when they say they're removing things, okay? But my point for today is all vaccines vaccines are bad. Okay, so because what happened in 1920, they introduced the world to a new mercury compound, thimerosal. If you write this down, your world will be complete. T H I M E R O S A L. So they filed that patent June 27, 1929, believed to have antiseptic and antibacterial components. So, Eli Lilly and Company went on to register thimersault under the trade name Meridol. Anyway, so, was first used to kill bacteria and prevent contamination in over-the-counter products and vaccines used by both consumers and hospitals in everything from their nasal sprays to eye drops to ointments to vaccines. <coughs> so, <coughs> so... The selling point is these um, keep the bacteria out, right? So, how do I start here? Let me see. Okay. There was a big meeting, okay? And um, what happened was this meeting took place because it was uncovered that vaccines with this um, preservative or um, thimersol, um, actually gives children, um, autism. Okay. So I've got it kind of a little bit out of order. So just stick with me here for a minute. Okay. So I also, I tracked down the, um, there was a private meeting called the Simpson, Simpson Wood meeting, all one word S I M P S O N Wood meeting. Okay. It was a private meeting conducted with the CDC. Let me get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, July the 7th, 1999, the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Public Health Service issued a joint statement which provides the background for the private CDC meeting that would occur the next year. Keep these statements in mind when reading the excerpts from Simpsonwood. Once you have read them, ask yourself if you are inclined to agree with... Anyway, so... The FDA, the Food and Drug Administration Modernization Act of 1997 called for FDA to review and assess the risk of all mercury-containing food and drugs. In line with this review, U.S. vaccine manufacturers responded to a December 1998 and April 1999 FDA requests to provide more detailed information about the Themersol content of their preparations that include this compound as a preservative. Themersol has been used as an additive to biologicals and vaccines since the 30s. There are no data or evidence of any harm caused by the level exposure that some children may have encountered in the vaccine schedule see this is why they don't do studies right the recognition that some children could be exposed to a cumulative level of mercury over the first six months of life that exceeds one of the federal guidelines well here's what's going on children are getting mercury okay the minute a baby is born they get mercury okay so um, so what happened was there was a report that came out that identified this thing as a um, as a problem okay Um, the recognition that some yeah so they said there was a paper that came out and it's, it's down here okay the primary focus of the private discussion was a study led by this person called Thomas Verstraten. V-E-R-S-T-R-A-E-T-E-N. So this study that he did increased risk of neurological impairment after high exposure to thermosol-containing vaccine in first months of life. So what happened was, was that um, somebody summarized his report. So let me read the summary. this study conducted by investigators at the cdc using the vaccine safety data link of computer i'm lost here okay um okay let me back up here a second this person came out this versing sign person comes out with this okay and that blew this whole thing up uh so that was 1998, 1999. In 2000, they had this Simpson Wood. It's called the Simpson Wood Conference. All one word Simpson Wood co- Conference. Officially titled because it means the Scientific Review of Vaccination, Vaccine Safety Data Lake Information. It was a two day meeting convened in June 2000. So, these other things this person's talking about, there's confirmed evidence that mercury's in these things, right? Okay, so. They convened this meeting in 2000. And also, the report is very easy to find. I have the complete file already downloaded myself. Okay, so, two-day meeting convened in June by by the Centers for Disease Control held at the Simpson Wood Methodist Retreat and Conference Center in Norcross, Georgia. The key event at the conference was the presentation of data from the Vaccine Safety Data Link examining the possibility of a link between the mercury compound thimersol in vaccines and neurological problems in children who had received those vaccines. A 2005 article by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. published by Rolling Stone and Salon focused on the Simpson-Wood meeting as part of a conspiracy to withhold or falsify vaccine safety information. However, Kennedy's article contained numerous major factual errors and, after a number of corrections, was ultimately retracted by Salon. Nonetheless, on the basis of Kennedy's claims, the conference gained notoriety in the anti-vaccination movement. So... So the conference, and I, I looked up their wiki page to kind of get these dates in order. The conference was convened following a resolution by the Congress of the United States in 1997. So convened in 2000. So this was because they were, they, the three vaccines of primary interest were discussed. Hepatitis B vaccine, DPT vaccine, and the HIV vaccine. Attendees included experts in the field of autism, pediatrics, toxicology, epidemiology, and vaccines. Also in attendance were approximately half a dozen public health organizations and pharmaceutical companies, as well as 11 consultants to the CDC. So um, the meeting served as a prelude to vaccine policy meetings held by the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices which sets the U.S. vaccine policy for the CDC. So you need to know these words to know what to look for, so you're looking for the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices or ACIP. The session was also to serve as the initial meeting of the ACIP workgroup on thimerosal and immunization presentations and supporting documents from the conference were subject to a news embargo until June the 21st, 2000, so evidently it was a secret meeting, at which point they were published by the ACIP. After the conference, researchers carried out a planned second phase to further analyze and clarify these studies' preliminary findings. So yeah, so they got themselves together. The Simpson-Wood transcript was uploaded in a 259 page PDF by the group, and write this down, safeminds.org all one word, S-A-F-E-M-I-N-D-S dot org Safeminds obtained the transcript of this meeting along with private meetings, so take a look at it and read it for yourself learn to be your own seeing eye dog, stop having other people be your seeing eye dog facts are important and research is critical. So anyway, so yeah, so this all has to happen. Um, Robert Kennedy actually kicked this all off, but you know, what does that mean? I don't really know. Um, here's, here's the thing, this somersault, this is the bottom line. You hear a million arguments, okay? Go over to yandex.com and just. So what they're saying is this, and I'm not gonna read all this stuff because <laughs> I'd like to cut to the chase here. It's all about the mercury, right? Well, what they're arguing back and they're saying is this. They're saying that, well, this therosol stuff, it doesn't stay in your blood for a long time. Well, that may be true, right? They're doing blood tests, so they're able to, now, finally, after what, they've had this stuff around since the 20s, so now they're finally testing it. So finally they're saying, well, it doesn't stay in your blood for a long time, but that's not true it doesn't stay in your blood for a long time in fact it stays in your brain for the rest of your life (laughs) so so what happens is it stays in your body forever but in your brain see how they got it in the brain tissue so technically I guess it's not in your blood right but it's lodged into your brain so what happens is um, okay I can't get into all these other things, but it it becomes a body forever chemical. Just like all these chemicals, like these DDT, um, Uh nuclear, all of them are DNA destroyed, okay? Um, And also the interesting thing is, since they got caught with this Semerol stuff, they um, started coming up with some vaccines that don't have it. So the smart crowd can go into their doctor and say, oh, you know, we're going to get the vaccines, but we don't want that one over there. We want the non-themoral one. See how it starts to really split things up? (laughs) See, here again, now you're arguing that some vaccines are good, right? Um, So I think you get my point for today. Um, FDA, uh, they said that, this is from the FDA page, um, Although all vaccines routinely recommended recommended for children six years of age and younger in the U.S. are available in formulations that do not contain thimerol, thimerol has a long record of safe and effective use in preventing bacterial and fungal contamination of vaccines and no ill effects established other than hypersensitivity and minor local reactions of the injection. There is a robust body of peer-reviewed scientific studies conducted in the United States and countries around the world that support the safety of thimerosal-containing vaccines. The scientific evidence collected over the past 15 years does not show any evidence of harm including serious neurodevelopmental disorders from use of thimerosal in vaccines. Specifically, the Institute of Medicine, now known as the National Academy of Medicine, and others have concluded that the evidence favors rejection of a link between Thimerosal and autism. Scientific studies of the risk of other serious neurodevelopmental disorders have failed to support a causal link with thermosol. So that is, their, uh, that is the FDA's statement. And I don't think I need to go into any kind of rampage, because here's the thing. Why are they making those arguments? Well, because um, up until the late 1990s, many of the vaccines used in the U.S. were multi-dose vials, and therefore included thermosol. The Food and Drug Modernization Act of 1997 required that they review the mercury. But... What they reviewed, they said that the only vaccines that currently contain thimerosal are some doses of influenza vaccines. So, like I said, I don't think I need to spend an hour talking to you about how much Thermorol is in here because um, they said that flash forward that families are increasingly gaining confidence in the research that exonerates exempts. Yeah, well, how do you think this is going to play out? Well, how it's going to play out is this. Who are you going to call? The World Health Organization. According to the WHO, if thermosal is no longer in use, single-dose vials will increase the amount of transportation and storage space required more than threefold, with an estimated cost increase that exceeds 300 million annually this, ex- this is from the WHO webpage this explains why the WHO are you going to call as well as US and foreign governmental and non-governmental organizations are taking steps to educate government agencies worldwide regarding the need to continue to allow thermosol in vaccines and remove it from the list of banned mercury products So then I got a little announcement here for you. Thank God they got those people in Africa under control. Today, announcements and commentary. Today, I'm reading from their page. Who are you going to call? Today, we commend the AAP, that's the American Association of Pediatrics, who has announced their endorsement of the recommendation of the, who are you going to call, Strategic Advisory Group of Experts on Immunization Pertaining to the Use of Thermosol in Vaccines. Three captivating commentaries accompany their endorsement of the use of thermosol in vaccines. The first titled, Ban on Thermosol in Draft Treaty on Mercury, Why the AAP's Position in 2012 is So Important provides the rationale for the call for the removal of thermosol from vaccines in 1990. The commentary concludes with this decisive statement. The specific findings of experts on the devastating effects that a global ban on thermosol would have on efforts, efforts to vaccinate children globally. So if it costs too much and you take away the thermosol and put them in single dose vials, Well, it looks like those kids won't be getting their vaccine. Same kind of thinking they were using when they came off with this thing, right? They were talking about um, if you didn't get the vaccine, you're going to kill your own grandmother. Um, Yeah, this is how this thinking starts. And I certainly hope that, um, yeah, uh, manufacturing process, food contents, additives, this thermosol, um, living meat surfaces, yeah, Thermosol, no bueno. I'm going to close out for now. Um, And what I'd like to do is um, play you a song. It's it's the one that kind of came to my mind. Um, And um, I don't know what to tell you. Um, Once you split yourself into different kinds of arguments and stuff, you're going to miss the whole point, right? So I would hope that maybe learn a little bit more about how these arguments work. They're, they're the arguments that I hear everybody using every day is the reason why I'm talking about them today. And if you want to have some sanity in your life, I would, well, personally, at this stage of my game, if you're if, if you if you're so opposed and that's your thing, I'm not interested in talking about you. But um, but if there's somebody that you care and love and want to try to encourage over to your own side, maybe try a new approach. This approach that everybody tried which spamming each other with tons of things going back and forth is clearly not going to work, okay? So we are really so it's up to you. It's up to you. A lot of relationships have been ruined over things like vaccines. So can you repair the damage by bringing some logic to the gunfight? Well, I would hope so. I would hope you would at least give it a shot because facts matter, okay? Just stick with the facts and you'll be okay. This song is called the group is called America and is called a horse with no name. remember one thing this is all a game right we're on a game board you came here to play what's your next step going to be we're getting the shit kicked out of us in this house right now i mean the holy crap kicked out of us but we have another strategy we keep working on new strategies right and be safe out there i will be back for more because i am going to go down when i go down okay and um, i'll go down when i'm ready to go down when i've said all i have to say because remember these psychopaths are a bunch of dickless wonders a bunch of cowards right they gotta attack us from the sky they can't come up and come up with a decent argument they gotta come up with all this cycle babble all this straw man crap so anyway be safe out there and i'll be back to give them hell when i have something else to say because i have figured out the uh electricity thing okay i got it completely nailed because if they are gonna pull a scam pull it on a cheap one right so if they're Harvesting electricity from the air and charging us money for it, right? Anything on a variable rate they can use to their advantage, right? So, what does all this mean? Well, here again, another straw man argument. People are talking about the cost of nuclear versus this. Well, We came from an advanced society. Electricity is what they are using to harm us. We didn't need electricity. The people in India don't need air conditioning. We didn't need this to begin with. See how these things get going, right? Because all of a sudden you're down the road talking about vaccines and stuff when we didn't need them in the first place, right? Just like everybody's talking about whether we use nuclear or air. But anyway, I have a conclusive, I mean 100% conclusive, that nuclear plants are there to destroy our DNA and us. And here again, we're back into these straw man arguments. Everybody's talking about what's better, nuclear or sun. Well, they're all phony, right? (laughs) They're all made up. None of them mean anything. So all I'm suggesting for today is just be careful. When you start to engage and you want to... Share information. Just be just be cognizant of how you're sharing it, and that you're not falling into the traps that have become oh so familiar to all of us. Because basically, people just really run in circles instead of answering questions these days. It's it's become a skill set that people have. And if you if you focus on what your message is, you'll have a much easier time because you won't find yourself getting exasperated and running in circles. So the minute you start to see yourself going in circles, either pull yourself back in, take a breath, and try to fairly communicate your position. But first, understand what the other person believes and thinks first. Don't just tromple all in there with all that you have to say. So here we go. Also, if you build your life and you spend your time running from cowards what does that make you they have everybody running like cowards right well I would have to argue the cowards that are running things are cowards right so what does that make the rest of us if the minute they do anything everybody runs like cowards right so you're so afraid they're gonna get you next that you won't talk to me or help me see how it all works cowards create more cowards out there goodbye for now just remember follow your own instincts we have our own thought processes we have our own abilities to do these things we never needed them in the first place so the first thing is to understand do you want to believe lies or do you want to figure out a way to survive amongst the lies so be safe out there goodbye for now just live to kick another day